Good evening, listeners. This is Gerda Potgieter speaking. I'm in the studio from the front line. Tonight, we are focusing on the subject of real Christianity, and I'm interviewing Dr. Peter Hammond. He is the founder and the director of Frontline Fellowship, who has been dedicated for over 40 years to serving persecuted churches throughout Africa. Dr. Peter, historically, there has been much opposition to Christianity and hostility to Christians. Why is that? And what does it actually mean to be a Christian? Well, in Acts chapter 11, verse 26, we first read the word Christian, and we read, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Now, much of the opposition and criticism which Christians receive is due to ignorance and misunderstandings of what a Christian actually is. From the very beginning, there were false accusations against Christians in the Roman Empire. For example, Christians were accused of cannibalism. You Christians eat the flesh and drink the blood of people during your ceremonies. Because the Lord's Supper symbolically refers to eating the flesh and drinking the blood of our Lord Jesus, certain Romans, either out of ignorance or malice, spread the rumor that Christians were actually involved in human sacrifice and cannibalism. Christians were also accused of incest. You Christians marry your brothers and sisters. As Christians refer to everyone in the church as their brothers and sisters in Christ, outsiders misunderstood the spiritual brotherhood and accused believers of marrying close relatives. It may surprise you to know that in the first three centuries of the Christian church, believers were accused of atheism. Because Christians refused to worship the gods of Rome, they were attacked as atheists. When Christians were being condemned to death in the arena, the cry often was, away with the atheists. Because Christians refused to worship the idols of Rome, they were accused of causing all kinds of natural disasters, um, floods and famines, and you Christians have offended the gods. And you are offending our ancestral spirits. Christians, of course, were also accused of lack of patriotism and treason. For refusing to worship the emperor, Christians were condemned as traitors. It's worth noting that the early Christians were not condemned for worshipping the Lord Jesus. The Romans were polytheists. They believed many gods. They couldn't care what gods he worshipped. The crime of the early church was they refused to worship the state. They refused to worship Caesar, the emperor. And also Christians were accused of disrupting business. The idol-making industry was outraged by the drop in business caused by gospel preaching. The book of Acts describes the mob attack against Christians in Thessalonica when it was exclaimed, these people who have turned the world upside down have come here also. Acts 17 verse 6. Yes, and there seems to be increasing hostility to Christianity today. Why do you think that is? Christianity most certainly does turn the world upside down, or rather, I should say, right side up. The world is upside down. It needs to be turned right side up. Preaching against sin has often been regarded as antisocial behavior. So by steadfastly campaigning for an end to the slave trade and an end to slavery itself, Christians were perceived as radical and as a threat to the social order. In the wake of the great evangelical awakenings and revivals, bars and brothels were closed down. And those who made their living by enticing poor people to gamble suffered dramatic loss in their so-called business. Today, the opposition of Christians to pornography, perversion, the transgenderism cult, and abortion provokes similar hostility. All you have to do is something like say, well, there's only two genders, or God made them male and female, or marriage can only be between a man and a woman, and you will suddenly find that you are guilty of a hate crime and a thought crime. However, quite aside from the distortions caused by anti-Christian propaganda, There's also widespread ignorance of what a Christian really is. It's natural that people should be outraged 
by the extravagance of some high-profile Christians, such as popes, prosperity preachers and televangelists. All Christians should share in the disgust at hypocrisy and scandals. However, the Lord Jesus declared, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So uh, what would you say, what does it really mean to be a Christian? How do we distinguish between, between real and fake Christians? True Christianity is following Christ. Christianity is all about Christ. It's not about nominal Christians, ministers and denominations. Cults idolize leaders. Religions follow ritual. But true Christians have a real personal relationship with Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. As Jesus said in Matthew 16, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Webster's Dictionary, which is an excellent uh, Christian dictionary because the original 1828 Webster's Dictionary gives good biblical definitions. Webster's Dictionary distinguishes between a nominal Christian and real Christians. A nominal Christian is defined in Webster's Dictionary as a believer in the religion of Christ, a professor in his beliefs in the religion of Christ. However, Webster's Dictionary then makes it clear that a real Christian is a real disciple of Christ, one who believes in the truth of the Christian religion and studies to follow his example and to obey the precepts of Christ. A believer in Christ is one who is characterized with real piety relating to Christ. Now, the word Christian actually only appears in the Bible twice. In the book of Acts, Christians are most often described as disciples and believers and followers of the way. Many people today claim to be Christians or assume to be Christians, but they could not accurately be described as disciples or followers of the way because they're not under the discipline of Christ. They're not seeking to follow his example. They're not trying to obey his commandments. Neither can many of the theologians who train ministers be called believers. I mean, for example, at uh, the Quirk School at Stellenbosch University, where the Dutch Form Church Dominies are trained, the, the dean of students there, actually made a ridiculous statement a few years ago that theology has nothing to do with God. It has everything to do with man. Well, the theologos, theology, the study of God. Uh, I think this person thinks of anthropology. Anthropology is about man. How can a, a dean of a theological faculty say theology has nothing to do with God, but everything to do with man? And so you can see there are people in many theological seminaries, more like cemeteries, who could not be called believers. If they deny the inerrancy of Scripture, if they do not believe in the deity of Christ, if they do not believe in the Trinity, many of them deny the existence of hell or the devil or even heaven. In many cases, they doubt even the existence of God himself. How can such people be called believers? They might be a theologian or a professor, but they're not a believer. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so, so what does the Bible teach us concerning what a Christian should be? What does the Bible actually teach us as to what a Christian truly is. The attitudes and actions which should characterize the Christian are made clear by what the Bible teaches that we call to be and what we must do. First of all, the Bible describes Christians as a disciple. A disciple is one who gives up everything, denies himself, who takes up his cross, who follows the example of Christ. Disciples are identified by their dedication to the Word of God and by their love for God's creatures and for the people of God. Anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple, said Jesus, Luke 14, 27. Also, the Bible describes a Christian as a free man. And the word of God is truth. And it's a truth that sets us free. And whoever is set free will be free indeed. A Christian is somebody who has surrendered to the word of God, has received the freedom that can only come through Christ. 
Millions of Christians worldwide can testify how the Lord freed them from addictions to smoking, gambling, drunkenness, perversion, drugs. As the converted slave trader, John Newton testified this famous hymn, Amazing Grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. I was blind, but now I see. Through many dangerous toils and snares I have already come. It's grace that's brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. So Christians are freed from slavery to sin, slavery to sin and Satan, freedom from subservience to the world's pressures and conformity to public opinion. We are set free to serve Christ. Freedom is what we have. Christ has set us free. Stand then as free men and do not allow yourselves to become slaves again. Some people say they're saved and you can honestly ask, from what? I mean, what have you been saved from? And most Christians have got to test me of how they were saved from many different sinful habits. We all ex something. Christians are also called to be holy, set apart for the exclusive use of God. Without holiness, we read, no one will see the Lord, Hebrews 12 verse 14. In a sense that, like your toothbrush is holy, you know, it's for your personal use. If somebody said, uh, by the way, I borrowed your toothbrush, you might say, uh, I keep it. Um, <laughs> I'll get another one or I've got a spare or something like that. Because a toothbrush is meant for your personal exclusive use. And, and we're meant to be for God alone. We're not meant to be shared with other gods or anything like that. So we're called to be holy, set apart, sanctified. A Christian is also described as a servant. Jesus declared he came to serve and we're to follow his example, be concerned above all else with serving Christ and meeting the needs of others. But let us love not in words or tongue, but in actions and in truth. Christians also describe in the Bible as pilgrims. We are just passing through. We belong to the kingdom of heaven. We are pilgrims, strangers in this world. We must press on towards heaven. We have a call and we need to be persistent in seeking after God's best. We have a vision and we need to proclaim the faith once delivered to the saints. We cannot turn back. We're pressing forwards, onwards to something far better. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek for me with all your heart. And so a Christian is also a pilgrim, one of the greatest books ever written in English literature is Pilgrim's Progress. One of the most popular, widespread read books in the English language aside from the Bible is Pilgrim's Progress. And that's a very good description of what a Christian is called to be. The Bible also describes Christians as an athlete. We have to keep ourselves in training for a godly life during spiritual exercises. We need to rid ourselves of all unnecessary weight and free ourselves from all known sin, throwing aside every encumbrance, running with determination and endurance. As with an athlete who runs to win, we need to submit to strict discipline, run straight, harden our body, control our movements. We have to obey the rules. We need to run our best. We need to run the full distance, run in such ways to get the prize, a crown that will last forever. The Bible also describes Christians as a worker. As workers for the Lord, we are always to do our best, as wholeheartedly, in everything done in love. Keep busy always in your work for the Lord, since you know that everything you do in the Lord's service is nothing you do in the Lord's service is ever useless. And then the Bible also describes Christians as a soldier. We have a spiritual enemy to fight. We have a spiritual war to win. We have spiritual weapons that are powerful to the destroying of strongholds, to the destroying of false arguments, to the pulling down of every proud argument and obstacle raised against the knowledge of God. Therefore, we are to be disciplined, motivated, obedient, prepared, alert, using the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We need to fight evil. We need to resist the devil. We need to bind the powers of evil, enforce the victory of the cross, attack the strongholds of the enemy, storm the gates of hell, set the prisoners free, winning the victory in Jesus' name, which is why in many 
uh, ages, um, evangelistic outreach was called a crusade, the crusaders being an example of great dedication and focus and sacrifice. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loved us. Christians also describe in the Bible as the salt of the earth. Salt preserves, so we should preserve what is holy, good, and right. Salt heals. We should heal the brokenhearted with encouragement and comfort and love and action and prayer. And salt melts. We should melt cold hearts with the warmth and love and enthusiasm of our faith. And salt creates thirst. We should make people thirst for the living waters. Then also the Bible describes Christians as the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world, and we are called to reflect the light of Christ in the dark world. There's also biblical descriptions of Christians being like farmers. Christians are to care for God's vineyard. We must sow. We must sow the seed of the gospel, which will accomplish the task of salvation. We must plow up the hard ground, water the soil with prayer, and reap the harvest. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, and so you will be my disciples. So, from all of these um, scriptural word pictures of what a Christian should be, it becomes very clear that many of the modern misconceptions concerning uh, what a Christian is is actually worthless. Yes, what a mouthful. So it becomes clear from these scriptures with pictures of what a Christian should be. It seems that many of the modern misconceptions concerning what a Christian is are inadequate. What would you say? Yes, the shallow, superficial, one-dimensional concept of just believe, just pray this prayer, just open the door of your heart brand of half-hearted, churchy auntie is lukewarm, namby-pamby, wishy-washy, wimpish, weak, and weedy. Any biblical definition of a Christian must include action. Devotion, dedication, perseverance, sacrifice, and service. He who is not with me is against me, Jesus said. He who does not gather with me scatters. From these biblical definitions and descriptions, it is clear that we are faced with a choice. Can you elaborate on that? Yes, I would say, in fact, we do have two choices. A Christian is one who is born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. A Christian has a real relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. A Christian loves the Lord Jesus with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he seeks to serve and honor Christ in all areas of life. Jesus Christ made clear there are two roads. There's the broad road and there's the narrow road. There's, there are two gates. There's the wide gate and there's the narrow gate. And there's two trees. The bad tree that bears the fruit of the flesh, pride, greed, lust, jealousy, envy, bitterness, hatred. And there's the good tree that bears good fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And there are two types of people. There's the foolish and the wise. They build their house on two different foundations. The foolish man builds his house on the sand of human wisdom and human effort, but the wise man builds his house upon the rock of God's word. And one day when the rain falls and the wind blows and the storm rages, uh, when the floods rise and the storm uh, rages, it'll be clear which house will stand, which will fall. You'll see the foundation in. Jesus taught their two ultimate destinations, is heaven or hell. Broad, popular, easy, smooth road leads to hell, but the hard, narrow, difficult, steep, unpopular road is the one that leads to eternal life. And so we have choices continually, and it's just like there were two thieves on each side of the cross, and one was repentant and the other one was rebellious. One was cursing Christ and the other was saying, Lord, remember me um, when you come into your kingdom. And so even there you can see that there were two responses. They were both so close to Christ. And they were at the end of their life, and one was rebellious and the other one was repentant. And so there's, there's two attitudes, again. And uh, we are told continually in the Scripture to choose. Joshua 24 verse 15 says, Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
Yes. So, um, Dr. Peter, where can our listeners learn more about real Christianity and what resources can you recommend? Well, obviously, first and foremost, we've got to be students of the Bible. We've got to read the Word of God. There are other books that can help us to understand the Word of God better. And I would say, for example, uh, Pilgrim's Progress is magnificent. And I mean the unabridged original version as much as possible. You can have it in modern languages, but don't have these ones that are so abbreviated that you miss most of the messages. Pilgrim's Progress has got so much to teach us. And somebody like the Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, said he read Pilgrim's Progress a hundred times in his life. And he only lived up to about 56. But he read Pilgrim's Progress almost twice a year. He said it was such a great book and one of the best books you could give a child at Christmas. So Pilgrim's Progress gives you an in-depth picture of what Christianity is like. And I think that helps. I produced a practical discipleship and putting feet to your faith, um, which has been very helpful, putting some of the best challenging messages God has taught me about into uh, these books. Putting feet to your faith and practical discipleship are uh, some books that you could get from us. We've also got a discipleship training manual, which is interactive, which we use in our Great Commission courses that a person could go through. It's, it's got places for you to respond and answer the many questions and scriptures to look up and, and complete. Um, and uh, charts and diagrams. So the Discipleship Training Manual is also available from Christian Liberty Books. I did the Old Testament Survey and New Testament Survey, which was in preparation for the Reformation 500. And I found this very useful trying to summarize every single book of the Bible, to read through every book in the Bible, to summarize each book of the Bible. And, we've, and they turned into chapters. We've got the Old Testament Survey. We have the New Testament Survey. And if you go onto our website on Sermon Audio, there's a sermon on each book in the Bible from Genesis through to Revelation where I summarize what each book is about. And of course, some people know some books very well, but most people have never read the Minor Prophets or many of the history books, the Old Testament. Very few have pe read, people have read Leviticus or Deuteronomy or studied 1 and 2 Kings and Chronicles. But there's a lot of important messages in there. So um, I would strongly recommend people to work their way through the Bible. And if you're struggling, you may find the Old Testament Survey, New Testament Survey, or my sermon audio series on Bible Survey uh, helpful. And you can get that also in text on our livingstonfellowship.co.za website. But uh, those are, are some resources to learn about real Christianity. I'd also say if you've got any opportunity to visit Kwasabunta Mission in KwaZulu, there you will see real Christianity in practice. People who really believe that in honor preferring one another, who live a life of service, and uh, they've got the gift of hospitality, but how they serve and, and reach out to see a large community of several thousand people, a farm, a school, college, radio station, shops, a whole lot of practical things on the go, and yet they work together in harmony, and it's extraordinary. Many languages, nations, races, groups, and people from so many different backgrounds, and People who've come there who've found freedom from drugs, freedom from alcohol abuse, people who used to be witch doctors and converted, and to see a Christianity that can work in that environment with so many people from literally all over the world. You'll meet people from Korea, meet people from Europe, from all over Africa, and and transform. So to go and, and stay for a couple of weeks and learn uh, from a community which is a an example of living waters flowing, a result of revival, that would also be super important. So learning about real Christianity, there's nothing to be just getting involved in the work, uh, volunteering your time, helping at a local mission. And for myself, 
I learned a lot about real Christianity working amongst the persecuted church, uh, going into Eastern Europe back in the 1980s and seeing the church behind the Iron Curtain in East Germany and Romania and Hungary and Yugoslavia and Czechoslovakia and going and seeing how the Christians in Poland were managing under severe persecution. And so I think learning from the persecuted church, learning from examples of excellence in history, which is why I wrote books like The Greatest Century of Missions and The Greatest Century of Reformation and Victorious Christians Who Changed the World, character studies, looking at examples of excellence so you can learn from people yeah. of the past, everyone yeah. from Polycarp and Perpetua through uh, to Mary Slessor, David Livingston, Hudson Taylor, Martin Luther, people who put feet to their faith. And I think getting into the habit of reading good Christian biographies is very refreshing, very energizing. And of course, in your magazine, Devoted, you focus on good, uplifting testimonies, testimonies of people who are doing something unusual, where an ordinary person transformed by the grace of God experiences extraordinary blessings and grace. So if people would support good Christian resources like Devoted Magazine, visit mission stations like Quest Mission, visit the Persecuted Church, learn from missions on the ground who are doing the work. I think that's real Christianity. There's nothing like uh, getting boots on the ground. And for me, uh, I, uh, for example, my first mission that I worked with was Script Union and then Hospital Christian Fellowship. And I learned so much volunteering my time and working with these missions and seeing what was on the go. But uh, then uh, when you have the opportunity to get onto the streets and deal with some of the people mm -hmm. in the most wretched situations like Dumi Peter Victor in Cape Town, he organized strike workers. And to go into loop streets and long streets and go with them, dealing with the people who are out there jawling, who are not thinking about tomorrow, let alone eternity, and uh, uh, helping the people who are drunk and lying on the gutter and uh, the people who are homeless and ministering to people on the streets. I found out this, you saw real answers to prayer, you see transformed lives, and you could see real needs and how Christ meets those needs. I think that means so much. You're not going to find out about real Christianity going to some kind of televangelist, health and wealth, mm -hmm. name it, and claim it and frame it, big uh, name, a stage uh, effort where people go to some gospel spiel or something, and you can see there's thousands of Christians there bobbing up and down to some kind of gospel music. I don't think that teaches you much about real Christianity, but getting in the field and doing outreaches, doing door-to-door -door evangelism, preaching in the marketplaces, this sort of thing, you see Christianity in action. But uh, for me, I'd say the persecuted church, Christ of Intermission, that's done the most to introduce me to real Christianity. And reading, of course, about the great lives of Christians who've stood the test of time in the past. Yeah. Thank you. And maybe I can just add a devoted is for free, available on the website www.devotedmag.co.za. But I've got another question for you. Are there any training programs that can help those who want to go deeper and further in their Christian discipleship? Yes, there certainly are. And, uh, for example, we've put uh, quite a lot on the web on our William Carey Bible Institute, which includes discipleship resources, and it's completely free on uh, www.devotedmag.co.za. William Carey BI um, website, William Carey BI. But in addition to that, I would uh, strongly recommend that one attends and takes part in the Great Commission course. Our Great Commission course is very boots on the ground practical. It's involved in uh, introducing a person to world and life view and getting our feet on the streets, basically. So for over two decades, Participants of our Great Commission course have come from as far afield as Australia and America, from Britain and Botswana, from Canada and the Congo, from Ghana and Germany, from Namibia and New Zealand, from Malawi and 
Mozambique from Sudan, South Africa from Zambia and Zimbabwe, literally from all over the world. And the Great Commission course is uniquely practical. It's a missionary training program, but you don't have to be committed to missions. It could be if you want to stretch your faith and your muscles. Uh, it's intensive. We have real body, mind and spirit, boots on the ground. It's daily PT, daily outreaches, daily devotions, practicals, hands-on ministry, hikes up and over the mountain, getting into townships, outreaches, um, and getting into Muslim areas. And it's designed to stretch your mind and your muscles and widen your vision to deepen your faith. So the Great Commission course is intensive. You'll come out of it physically fitter and stronger, but spiritually fitter, knowing more about the Scripture. And it's got exams and tests, and it's uh, there's assignments, Bible studies that you've got to complete, and all kinds of things. That means that after three weeks of intensive spiritual boot camp, we are sure that we've stretched a person's spiritual life. Now, there are also some good evangelistic programs that can help you. I know Evangelism Explosion has shaped my life from the very first year I was converted. Dr. James Kennedy's EE3, Evangelism Explosion, absolutely outstanding in teaching you how to share the gospel in the most effective way and answer the most common questions and challenges you get. And it gives you confidence in evangelism for door-to-door personal evangelism, as the case may be. And then there's Way of the Master, which is put up by Living Waters, uh, Ray Comforts, Kirk Cameron put together excellent DVD series that you can watch online as well on um, Way of the Master or Living Waters, teaching Ten Commandments-based way of going for the conscience, challenging people. Would you consider yourself to be a good person? How many of the Ten Commandments can you remember? Have you obeyed them all? Uh, you know, How many lies have you told? How many... Uh, have you ever stolen um, anything? Have you ever borrowed and failed to return broken things and not repaired it? Have you taken God's name in vain? Have you murdered anyone? And of course, on the streets, a lot of people are relieved when you hear that one because, no. Well, I've met some people who say, yes, gangsters in particular in the Cape Flats. But um, when people say, no, they've never murdered anyone, you can follow up with, Jesus said, if you've hated someone in your heart, it's like committing murder. That's have you ever hated someone? And, you know, most people have to then... Uh, lower the head a bit and say, well, actually, yes. And uh, and then you can go through many other of the Ten Commands. And as the Bible says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The law is our schoolmaster that leads us to Christ, that we can be justified by faith. So I found Way of the Master and Living Waters very helpful resources in discipleship as well. But there's nothing to beat getting out on the streets and being involved with a mission in, a, in evangelism and counseling, maybe sidewalk counseling, helping People going through a crisis pregnancy center, helping people who are considering abortion to talk them out of murdering their child. And when you're involved in whether it's home education or uh, evangelism in the townships, you will find just putting feet to your faith makes a huge difference. But nothing can really beat also a working way through every book in the Bible. So um, we should definitely not be satisfied with what we are. God gives the very best to those who leave the choice to him. We shouldn't settle for second best. We should persevere and continue deeper, further, and uh, deepen. As the Chronicles of Narnia speaks about this, seeking for Aslan's land uh, or Pilgrim's Progress, seeking for the celestial city. Work your way through the Pilgrim's Progress book. That's also extremely helpful. Yeah, I totally agree with that one. Can our listeners participate in any upcoming events that will enrich their Christian discipleship? Well, yes. Now, for example, every first Sunday in October um, is uh, an International Life Change Sunday, and we've got International Life Change Sunday coming up this coming um, Sunday, the 1st of October, not just in Cape Town, but all over the world. There are churches that will be organizing life change. You can find out where the closest life change is to you. If you're in the Cape Town area, we are meeting in 
Burton Crook Street, um, uh, the traffic island at Burton Crook Street outside the entrance to the waterfront and outside the Cape Town International Conference Centre, a busy large island with pedestrian uh, bridge and we make a stand for life there every 1st of October, every first Sunday in October, which this year is the 1st of October. There'll be a March for Life in Durban. I'll be participating in National Alliance for Life Conference in Durban this coming Saturday, the 30th of September, which is being organised by Doctors for Life and then they're following that up with a March for Life. So you will find there's something like that virtually any time around you. And if there isn't a life chain in your area, maybe you could contact us or the life chain people on the web and ask for resources that you can organise your own life chain to make a stand for the right to life of people and babies. Of course, at the end of October, there's Reformation Day when you remember the great stand made by Professor Martin Luther on the 31st of October, 1517, from which we marked the Protestant Reformation when he nailed 95 arguments against the superstitions and unbiblical nonsense and indulgences of the Catholic Church in the Middle Ages. And so Reformation Day is a public holiday in quite a few countries, of course, throughout Scandinavia and Germany, amongst other things. But um, Reformation Day is something that we try to mark, and uh, we would always be in Cape Town. We have a magnificent Reformation Monument not far from Cape Town and Franschhoek at the Huguenot Monument. So every 31st of October, we'll gather there for 12 noon, having a Reformation celebration service at the Huguenot Monument. And we normally have a guided tour of the museum as well for homeschoolers and others who want to come earlier, normally from 10. And you'll find a lot of good resources on the ReformationSA.org website concerning Reformation Day, what you can do to promote it. We've been organizing many great resources for celebrating the Reformation. And including the Great Century Reformation book, but you will find that uh, on the Reformation Society website or Reformation 5 on Facebook page, a lot of good audiovisual and other resources you can use to get people excited about the Reformation and call people back to the Bible for Reformation and Revival. We need to work for Reformation and pray for Revival. Reformation is our work. It's us taking God's word mm -hmm. seriously, but Revival is a sovereign move of God. We cannot organize or um, Bring about revival. Revival is a sovereign move of God. We can only pray for revival, but we can get busy with reformation. And the Bible, God often blessed works at reformation, like destroying idols and reading the law and calling people back to God's word. He often blessed reformations with revival and in history as well. Uh, so that's something coming up, 31st of October. Uh, we in Cape Town will organize a week before Reformation Day a um, variety concert and home education Fair, which is also very popular and enjoyable um, in homeschoolers areas in Cape Town. We have variety concert. We have a home education fair at Livingston House in Cape Town. So if anyone's in Cape Town, you can check with us. But I know other churches that organize all kinds of events in the lead up to Reformation Day, including Reformation conferences, special youth programs, and so on. Then in October, in November, the second Sunday in, in November, which this year will be the 12th of November, is International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. And we try to mobilize people worldwide to pray for the Persecuted Church. We've been doing this for over two decades, and it's now the largest prayer movement in the world. There can be something like 300,000 churches worldwide participating in the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted. We're not just praying for the Persecuted, praying with the Persecuted. This is a movement that started behind the Iron Curtain, and we've just joined it. And it's Christians in countries where it's illegal to be a Christian or where the governments persecute them. So we're talking about North Korea, China, Saudi Arabia, Pakistan, but many others uh, where you may not think of it. 
even Ukraine, they've closed down the Russian Orthodox Church and they've locked up ministers and, and destroyed churches there. So you can get a persecution church in many places. And of course, during the lockdown lunacy, mm-hmm. even in Canada, Justin Trudeau was closing down churches and he's even had a pastor arrested recently for having conducted church services during the COVID cult lockdown lunacy. And Australia's also done a lot of crazy things, locking down churches during this COVID cult. So persecution comes in many different ways these days. And you can see sometimes churches are restricted heavily in what they can do or they're subjected to real thought police crushing them. In Zimbabwe, um, churches have been broken up by soldiers coming in, beating up the pastor, rifle-butting the pastor, dragging them down the aisle with blood trails behind, kicking them in the head, beating up people in the congregation in the name of public health because they're concerned that they weren't vaccinated or something like this. So um, persecutors of the church have used the medical tyranny as an excuse for more persecution of the church, but there's many different faces that persecution can take. But to just draw people's attention to what the Bible teaches about persecution and the state of the church worldwide, statistically... 400 million Christians in the world today live under governments that don't allow religious freedom, which persecute them to some extent or another. 400 million Christians in the world don't have the religious freedom you and I enjoy. And it works out to 60 countries in the world have governments that restrict, persecute, and harass and target Christians. And the worst country in the world, officially, uh, is North Korea, as far as hostility to Christianity goes. Although Saudi Arabia follows immediately behind it's either Saudi Arabia or North Korea vying for the first place as the worst. And it, there's a range of countries from Somalia, Maldives, um, some surprising places where there's tremendous hostility to Christianity. So uh, to mobilize prayer for the second Sunday in October, you can go on the www.idop-africa. That's the website we run. IDOP-africa is the website where there's a lot of resources, films, videos, PowerPoints, um, posters, information that you can use to educate and enlist your people in your congregation, family, Sunday school or church to focus on the persecuted church. And I think that also teaches real Christianity. People are willing to Mm -hmm. suffer for Christ and die for Christ have a lot to teach us about what real Christianity is. That's true. One last question from me. Can you recommend websites and online resources to enrich and to strengthen our Christian work our Christian work, and our worship. Well, yes, certainly your magazine, Devoted, is one obvious online resource. Devoted magazine is one excellent resource. I've put on the website, uh, livingstonfellowship.co.za has a lot of free audio, video, and article resources surveying the Bible and many good studies that you could use. If you go onto our reformationsa.org website, you'll get many of the videos PowerPoints, articles on examples of excellence in history, and you will find that very helpful for sure. A William Carey Bible Institute, williamcareybi.org website, has got a lot of very wonderful free resources from some of the finest teachers in the world who've donated their manuals, their books, audios and videos free. So it's a free online resource of which we originally put together for the Persecute Church in the Middle East. And... Uh, it's been used for, for studying uh, for and graduating uh, some people in North Africa and Arabic-speaking countries where Christianity is illegal. But now we've made it wide available to anyone, uh, not 
during the lockdown, we decided let's not just restrict the persecuted church. We're going to make it available anywhere. And so William Carey BI, you'll find a lot of resources on history, on discipleship, on evangelism, on reaching Muslims for Christ, on church history, missions history, reformation history, and a lot more. So those are some very useful ones. You'd be surprised at how many great Christian classics are also available online, like Pilgrim's Progress. But you'll find there's some sites just available making great Christian classic books available. And we need to get to love books more and not to be uh, just stuck to doing whatever is being pushed online. Um, and so for some people who have scanned these and made available that we can see some or listen to some great resources, there's some audio books online too that you can get that's very helpful. Many of those we link through our WilliamCareyBI.org website. Maybe you'd like to add some others that you... Would recommend? Well, I would really love uh, our listeners to follow us on our Facebook page, Divine Publishers slash Devoted. That would help a lot. And uh, yeah, thank you, Doctor. This was Gerda Potrieter talking from the front line with Dr. Peter Hammond about real Christianity. Do you want to say goodbye to the listeners as well, Doctor? Yes, I think I should also add that um, anyone wanting to know about real Christianity uh, there's that excellent book that Elfrida brought out on, on Bond Servant of Christ, oh, yes. on yeah. the life and testimony of Erla Stegen and of Louis Harms and the revival in Germany that preceded it and uh, people came out in the Candace. And what a tremendous testimony that is. I mean, that's an example of excellence. A ministry that's been going for 70 years, but it's rooted back, going back over 150 years in a book to when a, a revival started in Germany out of which the ministry in uh, KwaZulu has developed. So... That's another excellent resource. When you read about things like that and you realize how much can be accomplished through one person and one person's vision, yeah. it's very challenging and encouraging and inspiring. We need more of that sort of encouragement and we need to set the bar higher. We need to aim higher and not settle for less than, than the very best. We mustn't settle for second best in discipleship. We must aim to do everything to the glory of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Yes, thank you.